You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you are doing very well. You're about to listen to my conversation with Colin Frangichetto, who is the guitarist in a band called Circus Survive. They are touring Australia through May of 2018, and I'll read out some dates. Thursday the 24th, they're playing at Adelaide, in Adelaide at the Gov, I should say. Friday the 25th, they're playing Melbourne at the Corner Hotel. Saturday the 26th, they are playing Sydney at the Factory Theatre. Monday the 28th, they're playing Brisbane at the Zoo. And finally, Wednesday the 30th, they are playing the Rosemount Hotel in Perth. Let's not delay. Let's get stuck into the chat with Colin. So, Colin, I want to welcome you to the show. Before we talk about the Australian tour, can you give us some background on the album released last year? The album's called The Amulet. Yeah, um, it is our sixth, our sixth studio record. Uh, we've put out a few APs, but it's our sixth point. And um, we basically, uh, see here, what else is good general info? Uh, it's probably our best record. <laughs> I don't know, uh, I don't know what else to tell you other than, uh, you know, we, put a lot into it and it, mm. it felt like uh, just as fresh as the first record we, we, we made so I don't know I think it's uh, a good representation of who we are as a band right now yeah mate it's got a cracker of an album cover can you tell us about that yeah that's a that's a guy named Ethel Andrews he's a fantastic painter based out of uh, Los Angeles He's originally from uh, like Brooklyn. Uh, we've known him pretty much since the beginning of the band. Um, he's done every album cover for us, and at this point now, I feel like his visuals are like pretty equally as important to our albums as uh, the music. You know, it's very seems like it gives people like a way to kind of make a iconic uh, visualization, kind of like you know pairing. The music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Now, tell us about the tour that you're bringing to Australia. Have you got anything special planned or prepared? Um, you know, we're always just trying to... I think every tour, regardless of what it is, uh, we're always trying to kind of like spread our wings a little bit and do, do something to push our boundaries a little bit as musicians and performers. So... Um, you know, nothing like, nothing, uh, I wouldn't, we're not bringing any kind of crazy, like, set piece or, like, crazy production or anything like that, but, um, you know, we're, we, we don't get to go there as often as mm. we like, so, uh, when we do, we really like to play material that we, we didn't get a chance to play previously, uh, play, play new music, but, um, I think just as far as, uh, I don't know, it's always like a tough question to answer. I mean, we're really just being, we're trying to always just be ourselves. And, and mm. I think whether you see us five years ago or now, it's it's kind of a similar thing where I think you're just seeing people playing music passionately. And that's kind of like what we try to do as much as possible. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so there's not going to be any... Um... Motley Crue style drums on the roller coaster or in the drum cage where they're spinning upside down Tommy Lee style or anything like that? <laughs> uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, I don't think we have the budget for that this time. 
maybe uh, maybe some type of fire breathing robotic dragon. Uh, that'll be that'll be cool. It's all on the list of, of one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now. Here's a good question for you. So Circus Survive have been going since at least 2005's Jeturna. So no doubt there were many years of small tours and Tuesday nights in very sweaty and beer-soaked rehearsal rooms. So I asked a similar question of Skylar Croom from He Is Legend, but here's my question for you. What's it going to take to bring your music and greater awareness of your music to a larger audience, do you think? Um... I don't know, you know, like, like, honestly, we have a pretty weird history. Uh, we, because we were all in bands previously and because for whatever reason, when we first released our, you know, to turn our, we were just kind of lucky in that there was some kind of like buzz happening a, a little bit. Um, the music industry was much different back then. People were still actively buying music. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, it was just a lot, it was a lot easier to kind of create this bottleneck situation where uh, a release isn't out yet. People are really excited. Uh, there was like, uh, there was just like a, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was the right time, right place kind of thing for us. So um, pretty much right out of, the, out of the gate, we started having interesting tour success where, you know, we'd be, we'd be the opener on a four band bill playing first for a hundred bucks. And, um, and somehow we would like outsell the other bands and merch or, uh, people would like leave after we played and like crazy stuff like that was happening, um, right out of the gate. And then I'd say like within a year of us touring, you know, we were, consistently kind of moving up on the totem pole on the, on the bills. And, um, I think we did our first headlining tour kind of by, by accident because, um, we were out with, um, Emmanuel and say anything and say anything kind of like, uh, had to cancel the whole tour. So we had hmm. this choice of, do we keep going or, you know, do we try to get another tour to open for? And, Essentially, we just decided to keep going. We wound up headlining the tour, and we wound up doing really well. And so, for us, like it's been like this steady climb of like um, all the way to now. I mean, it's kind of nuts to say this, but like for us, um, mostly in the states, um, you know, as we're we're at measure a lot of it because it's just for whatever reason that's where we've had the most success and. Hmm. where it's easy to see the trajectory. But, um, yeah, we're playing in front of more people now. We headline in front of more people now than we ever did. And it's not because we're selling more records than ever. You know, records don't really even mean anything anymore. It seems like it's just kind of like um, between streaming and and pirating and uh, whatever else, it just seems like you can't really gauge how to you can't really gauge your exposure in that way. So for us, I don't think we're ever looking to, you know, jump to that next level per se. Like we're pretty comfortable with yeah. where we are. Like it would be awesome to be bigger say, in Australia and, and other uh, countries, you know, cause it would be, I think it would enable us to go to those places more often. But, um, you know, every, <laughs> 
I think every uh, every promoter, every like label person that we work with internationally, they've tried like everything they can possibly try, you know. And I think <laughs> that's just like that's just the way it is. Like I think I think uh, if we ever do wind up having some major success or like weird like thing where we blow up in another country. It'll just be random um, and based on like timing, uh, yeah. being at the right place at the right time, kind of like, kind of like it was in the beginning of our career. Like, I don't think any like uh, radio play or video or whatever else is going to do it for us. We're just mm. not that kind of band where, you know, you really need to kind of sit down and let us crawl in, inside of your brain for a while to, to fall in love with us. I think. You've toured with some cracking artists, so just a quick roll call of some of them. My Chemical Romance, Coheed and Cambria, and 30 Seconds to Mars. So which tour stands out for you as seminal? So the tour that really helped the band achieve success? Um, I don't know. I mean, so many over the years. Uh, I think probably... We've toured more with uh, Coheed and Thrice than probably any two bands. Um, you know, we've toured with all of them in multiple countries. We've toured with them in the States. And we recently just did a, a co-headliner with uh, Thrice as well. And I'd say, like, I mean, one that definitely sticks out is the first time we, the first time we supported Coheed in the United States right around Blue Sky Noise era. Um, I think that really, that definitely helped us, um, a bit, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a lot of the, a lot of the early years stuff, like, uh, the first time Dredge took us out or the first time Save the Day took us out, um, you know, when we were really, really in the early years, like I think like on letting go era or even Juturna era, um, Mm -hmm. Those bands kind of all, not not only just like as far as exposing us to their fan base, but I think um, kind of showing us the ropes of how how you act as a headlining band, um, yeah. what the right how you, how you treat the other bands that you're touring with. Um, so I think all all those bands had like different different uh, impacts on us, you know. Yeah. Cool. All right. So 2010 you recorded Blue Sky Noise, and that was with the uh, producer Dave Bottrill, who's done all sorts of things, including Tool, Muse, and Dream Theatre, to name just a few. What was your experience like working with Dave? Oh, man, Dave's great. Um, that was that was just like a really amazing time. It was very, um, you know, felt, felt like a dream in a lot of ways because we worshipped a bunch of the records that he's made. And um, I feel like that was kind of an end of an era in a lot of ways, like mm. for major labels around that time. Um, you know, these days they're really not giving big budget to indie bands and they're, they're certainly not like um, signing bands with, uh, you know, just the where we were in our career at that point, I think we managed to get through the door before it closed on like those really kind of like uh, funny fantasy cliche major label deals. And um, like when they asked us who we wanted to be our producers, like he was definitely 
really, really at the top. Um, so being able to land him as a producer was like, wow, very intimidating and awesome. But then meeting him, he's just the most polite and like soft-spoken and very like um, thoughtful. Uh, we were kind of used to get it. We were like, like Brian McTernan is a really great friend of the band and also like produced our first two albums. And he was like kind of a drill sergeant in a lot of ways, <laughs> like totally brutal on us and very, like he taught us a ton of stuff as well, but like just a totally different style of production and teaching. And Dave was very like, uh, just very like soft approach, um, which is nice. And especially, you know, going into a situation where I think normally a lot of people would feel immense pressure. Um, yep. he was able to make it just really enjoyable and, uh, you know, told us so many amazing stories about various, uh, artists that he's worked with over the years that we, cool. that we all look up to. So that's always kind of like a plus when you work with a legendary producer like that. Um, what, what was the most interesting story that he shared with I think, you? I think that record came out amazing. I think just like just hearing him refer to like like Peter Gabriel as Peter <laughs> and just talk to like he's just some normal guy that he was doing stuff with and was like, What are you talking about? But like, you know, he would just give us these weird antidotes about Peter Gabriel or the guys from Tool or, you know, uh guys from King Crimson, like he just had all these really amazing um I would, I guess they would be more like this everyday kind of like boring stories, but to us, just the fact that they were like, he's telling us some story about, you know, getting, getting coffee with, you know, fucking Maynard or something. You're just like, you know, <laughs> kind of dumbstruck and like feeling like, how are we making an album with this guy? Nuts. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Just uh, really, and he, he actually came out to our last show in, uh, out in Toronto and, it was awesome to see him. Yeah, cool. Mate, that's it for me. I really want to thank you for the chat. Um, hopefully, we can catch up when you come down here. I think you're touring in May. I think they're the dates, aren't they? You're touring around uh, major capital cities in Australia yeah. in May. So, um, I'll probably be at the Brisbane show, mate. So, if we don't catch up, I'll throw the horns up and um, say, hey, remember me? We had a chat on the phone quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. So, uh, But, I'm you know... Congratulations on a wonderful career to date, too. I mean, you're an excellent band, and um, I, I really hope that you guys go on to bigger and better things. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Colin Frangichetto from the band Circus Survive. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>